my friends, and welcome to the Journey to Grateful podcast, a podcast focused on helping us understand the process of loss and grief with the help of those who are living it. I'm your host, Tim Begonia, and this is show number 55. Through this show, you and I will examine the details we've discovered during our grief journey. We will share our experiences, the good and the not so good, through the podcast, the blog, and on social media while building a community that desires a more open understanding of what grief is, how it affects us all, and how best to navigate its difficult path. Be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find quick links to do both over at journeytograteful.com. If you like what you hear in the show, please share an episode or the podcast with someone you know who could benefit a community that understands the path they are on. Now in this episode, I lay down some honesty and share with you my take on grief as it relates to men. I offer suggestion for guys and how to deal with grief as well as guide them through some aspects of grief for those new to loss. And finally, I speak about moving forward at your own pace and things to consider from experiences shared. So let's dive into episode number 55. Guys and grief. Quite a complicated combination from where I'm standing. Now I'm going to generalize here, but we guys tend to have a bit of a conflict between allowing ourselves to express our feelings and being strong for others. The perception of being weak when it comes to nearly any other moment in life, let alone grief, is at times paramount to men. Now why is that? Is it instilled in us to believe it is a sign of weakness if we cry? Perhaps. Is it ingrained in us that we should only show emotions in small amounts, or else we will come off as feeling too much? Maybe. Or is it as simple and cliche as to think it's not manly to show emotions, to cry? Thus, we shouldn't and we don't. Now, borrowing a phrase from a good friend of mine, I'm going to throw down a bit of truth love right now. Although all that I've just mentioned may be true, or a widely accepted belief, I believe it's bullshit. That's right, it's a bunch of crap. Dare I say I view every one of them as easy excuses from a society-led pile of bull. If you subscribe to any of these, I'd guess you may never have actually experienced true great loss. If you believe to cry is to show weakness, I suggest you this. To not cry is to not feel. Let me repeat that. To not cry is to not feel. Is that truly who you are as a man or want to be? Not to mention if that's how you want to be perceived? I doubt that. I, I really, really doubt that. So let's not talk of stereotypical beliefs. Let's toss aside the idea that any of the previously mentioned weaknesses of man are just not true no matter what you believe. Because let me shine a little bright light on a huge misunderstanding in society. Just because you believe something does not make it true. Thus, if you believe for a man to cry is to show weakness, that alone does not make it true. So let's toss it aside and dive into hard facts. Maybe we examine the question, how guys should handle grief. Now, I'd like to begin by comparing it to love. 
If you, by some great fortune in your life, have experienced the love of a child, or a spouse, or that special someone that turned your world upside down for the better, if you have known the love of a parent or a grandparent growing up, influencing your life in great, amazing, and incredible ways, the intensity of that love, while they are walking among your world and your life, will be equally intense in grief, if not more so, when they leave you. Now, grief, in essence, is simply that exact love you still have for them with no place to go. Think about that for a moment. Grief is love with no place to go. And then ask yourself this, in what way is that weakness? It's simply not. It's deep, it's meaningful love, it's caring, all-encompassing, feel-good stuff. For you to care that your someone is no longer here, gone, forever, and I do mean forever. The emotions that come from that stark realization is not weakness. It's possibly despair, it's being lost, it's ache, it's loneliness, it's devastation and dread. But it is not weakness. Now let me discuss losing a spouse, since I'm uniquely qualified to do so. But please feel free to associate this with losing a child or a close friend, a sibling or a parent, making adjustments where needed. So losing a spouse. A thought you cannot imagine. A thought you cannot accurately wrap your mind around. Even if you discuss it with your spouse, your, your mind simply doesn't allow you to go all the way to what that truly means. Because of that fact, you truly do not understand what it means until you are surrounded by it. And I would suspect that the same thing goes for losing a child or a sibling and so on. You cannot try to understand it. It's, it's nearly impossible. I mean, you certainly can try to understand it. You can try to allow your mind to wander there, but it never quite gets you all the way there. And then suddenly, you're there, and it's much more than you ever could have imagined. This is, in a small way, how I feel I can attempt to explain what it actually is like. Guys, let me explain it to you this way as well. A part of the reality of losing a spouse that you truly can't mentally prepare for is this. You are on your own, completely. All the decisions are now yours. All the plans for your family now lay in your hands. Every single plan. Every decision. Every thought absolutely everything. All the large things and all the small things, the tiny details you thought just happened on their own, they are now yours to struggle with, to make happen, and to get it done. As you may know, my wife Colleen and I had time to prepare, although I will tell you that in the end it doesn't help much for your grief. It does make a difference for the many details moving forward, however. We were able to take care of a few large financial specifics before Colleen passed. We were able to make adjustments and moves with our household accounts, monthly services and payments, and so on. You see, it helped to provide Colleen with some solace that we were able to remove a few worries for her. We were in a position where we had little control over her diagnosis. So being able to control this portion of our lives at the time was something that helped us greatly. 
Now, after Colleen passed, good friends of ours found themselves in a similar situation as their options for fighting her cancer became more and more diminished. They reached out to me to help with a little bit of planning, what details I would consider to be important. And I will say that action for them, as well as for me, was not the easiest thing to experience, but it was necessary, and I was so proud of her husband for reaching out. If you didn't know, us guys, we don't often reach out for help. So when we do, it's quite important to be there for them. The one thing that we discussed, which I have personally found to be one of the most important things to consider if you are in a position to plan ahead, are passwords for all your online accounts. Back when my parents were still here for them, it would have been understanding the household bills and knowing how and when they were to be paid. But today, the same thing applies much differently It is a bit more complicated because, and I'm speaking for myself here, and I suspect for many others listening, most all of your bills are paid online. And to do so, you need to know passwords, the account login information. You need to know the email address that is associated with it or the login name that's associated with that account. And you need to have the secondary login access updated. That's the phone number or the email where the two-factor login code will be sent after you put in your login and password information. Now, I know this is getting really in the weeds in detail, but this is important. If that code is going to an account you haven't access to, it will become an issue that you do not need. So gentlemen, guys, I'm speaking to you. Just as you appreciate when your workshop is organized or your garage is clean or your closet is arranged nicely, you need to take the time to do this with your accounts. You need to have access to your account information, the login info, the passwords, everything. If you are a listener who's looking to support someone in their loss and have yet to experience great loss yourself, please consider taking this advice to heart. With today's technology, it is very easy to download an app such as 1Password or Keeper or even Norton LifeLock has a password manager and it protects your online identity as well. Whatever you choose, choose to use something to keep track of your login info and your passwords and make certain that you and your spouse or significant other have access to it. Okay, now back to you guys out there who may be new to this thing called grief. Or even if you feel you've not been doing grief very well over the first few years. I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room asking for help and getting help. Now, we as men need to shed an awful lot of traditional stereotypical norms and dive headfirst into the 21st century. Asking for help, just like shedding a tear or feeling the feels, it's not a sign of helplessness or weakness. I'd suggest it's actually a sign of strength. Here's what I mean specifically. I have great respect for someone who is willing to admit they don't have all the answers, that they need help navigating something that they know little about, and they are willing to enter an uncomfortable place in their life to do the right thing and to get help to guide them through their grief. No, I will admit I see someone when I feel the need to do so, and it has become an important part of navigating grief and life as a whole without my wife. 
Tracy has become my North Star in a sense, someone I trust to point out when I'm being a bit unreasonable, when I stop believing what I am doing is the right thing to do, or when I need to adjust along my path somehow. She allows me to be me, which oftentimes is me being vulnerable as well as honest. But more importantly, she shows me myself. She points out what I may have just said and kind of shows it back to me and forces me to examine what I've said about myself and question if that was true or even helpful. She allows me to better understand the twists and the turns of grief and how they can reveal as time moves on. And this allows me grace to sometimes not be okay with a part of it or many parts of grief. Talking to someone else can provide for you an objective view on what you've already decided in your head. It helps you to more easily adjust that voice in your head to one that no longer criticizes you as you second-guess everything you now find to be your sole responsibility. And talking to someone else allows you a point of view that can often look at a situation with a slightly different slant than you have previously taken a look at it to help you question if your view is the right view or if it's a helpful view. It is no longer a bad thing to ask for help or to seek a voice of reason other than your own for no other reason than to provide you a different viewpoint. I hope that this podcast and these episodes can be a version of that help that allows you to pull back the curtain on my life and others to learn from us, to better identify guideposts for your grief before you turn a corner or become face-to-face with something unexpected. And for this episode in particular, for you as a man, to know you are not the only one. You are not weak because you hear a song while cleaning out the garage and fall to your knees silently screaming through tears. And there are ways to ease the pain you feel every day you wake alone and each night you dread going to bed. And to better understand that grief and its vast surprises do not occur in a nice orderly fashion. It's a messy, inconsistent piece of what your life will be going forward. However, in the same manner as I have been honest with the sorrow of grief, there are moments of hope for life after loss. Admittedly, your grief will not diminish. However, your life will grow larger around that grief and allow your grief to become a smaller part of your life as a whole. Yes, grief will always be a part of you as your love for that person will always be a part of you. But grief will not be the only part of you. Now, as you may know, my story with Colleen began in 2003 when a mutual friend of ours suggested her and I meet. Colleen had lost her husband, Rob, suddenly four years earlier and was raising her daughter, who was five years old, when we met. Now, Colleen found a way, a beautiful and a graceful way, to allow room in her story for a new chapter to be written. She chose to move forward while maintaining a comfortable hold onto everything her and Rob had built together. She somehow understood that turning the page of her story to begin a new chapter didn't mean the previous chapters were to be tossed aside. In fact, it allowed for her story 
that she had written together with Rob to have the chance to live on in many more hearts, and I believe her support system was a huge key in allowing her the grace to begin to move forward one step at a time. She and I often had discussions about how it was possible for her to go on after the loss of her husband at such a young age. She simply said she had to. For their daughter, she had no choice. Although we always have a choice to move forward in life or to stand still in most any situation, when it comes to grief, I believe we need to find a way at the pace that is right for you to find a way to take those steps forward, whatever that looks like for you. Although Colleen cited that her steps forward for for her nine-month-old daughter, I also believe she did it just as much for herself, because she chose to continue to write her story her way when she could. Thankfully, I became a part of that story at just the right moment, and we were fortunate enough to begin a new chapter together. So, gentlemen, as I come to the end of this episode, I want to leave you with one more thought. And it comes from an unlikely source, admittedly in an unmanly fashion, but it has helped me over the past two years, and I suspect it will continue to do so for years to come. Now, this quote is attributed to Carter Crocker, a script writer for Disney's Winnie the Pooh. If ever there is tomorrow when we're not together, there is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I'll always be with you. Now, I am acutely aware that with great loss comes many times you truly question your ability to put one foot in front of the other. But I know it's possible. I've actually seen it happen, and I have proof. The proof came to me when I met Colleen and witnessed her strength and determination and met her inspiration, her incredible daughter. I've seen it in myself with the loss of my parents in 2006, just five months apart. I continue to see it by example of my many friends from my bereavement group. Their strength is not demonstrated by the the mere action of moving forward, but by more importantly, their action to show up every month, bear their grief, and discuss with others how best to move one more step forward. I see it in my family. I see it in my in-laws, my siblings, our friends, and our children in how they, they proudly make an effort to keep Colleen alive in all that they do and say. And I hear it when those I know happily say her name and keep her memory alive in the stories we share and the memories that we relive. And finally, in this podcast, in the stories of my guests, in my contributors' stories on the online blog, and finally, in you who are listening, daring to change the conversation of grief to one of openness and confidence and not mystery and silence. If I had only one suggestion of which I want you to leave this episode with, I think it would be this. Talk freely of your loss and feel deeply. Please feel deeply. Because I truly believe this. Anything worth loving is worth crying over.
Thank you for joining me on the Journey to Grateful podcast. I'm so thankful for you to be here each and every week. Please stop by the community and let your voice be heard. Share your story with me or ask questions. I'm glad to help if I possibly can. And head over to journeytograteful.com slash community where you can access our social channels over at Facebook and Instagram and request even to become a guest on the podcast or contribute to our blog stories. While you're there on the site, sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter designed to provide you inspiration and motivation. And also, I invite you to connect with me personally via email. That's tim at journeytograteful.com. Or you can call my voicemail. You can even text the voicemail. That number is 262 298-2428. That's 262-298-CHAT. And lastly, I ask if you like the show, please share the podcast with a friend. Take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. It goes a long way for us to help reach other people. Now, today's quote is perfect for this particular episode as we try to find our way forward. It is written by Patty Davis. It takes strength to make your way through grief, to grab hold of life and let it pull you forward. It is not an easy task, nor one that happens quickly, but if we give it a chance, a moment of our time, it will help us forward at the pace that is just right for us. Remember, there is no rush forward, and forward motion is forward motion. So thank you again, my friends, for joining me today. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode and any previous episodes. And for those who are walking on their path with grief, I hope you find a way to walk confidently on your journey to grateful. Bye-bye.